What is up, Kangaroo Chasers, and welcome back to the OG and the best International Rugby League podcast. Of course, it's Chasing Kangaroos. Of course, I'm your host, Michael Carboni. You can call me Carbs. Um, what a week down under. Uh, it's Magic Weekend. Um, love it. We stole the idea from Super League, but we're doing it probably better. Sorry, guys. We're doing it better. I don't know if Super League even do it anymore, um, but just great footy. Brisbane, the capital of rugby league. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm from Sydney, uh, but magic, something really special about it. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday morning. Don't know how my St. George Illawarra Dragons went against Big T's West Tigers. Uh, we probably lost. We're a basket case of a club at the moment. I don't want to talk about that too much. But what I do want to talk about is uh, is three topics. Um, three topics this week um and it's gonna be me just talking to myself again very not sort of in the style of last last episode so uh two weeks ago it was an ask carbs episode and i want to thank you guys it's one of my favorite episode styles the ask carbs you guys ask me questions i answer them um, and i got some great feedback so thank you for those who slid into my dms you can get us you can find us chasing kangaroos podcast on uh instagram and facebook you can find me on twitter chasing roos pod um, always happy to have conversations, always happy to answer questions. And if they're good questions, I bring them into these Ask Carbs episodes, which is fantastic. Uh, go along, follow us. Thanks for those part of this awesome community. If you're new to the community, welcome. Um, go back, have a listen to previous episodes, find out what our DNA is and what we're all about, because we're a little bit different. This is not, you know, your typical NRL or Super League podcast. This is you know, a podcast for and by international rugby league fans. We talk about international footy. We talk about growing the game. We talk about expansion. We talk about the grassroots of rugby league in nations where you may not have realized that they even play or know about rugby league at all. So go back, take a deep dive. We're best friends. This is a this is a podcast uh, that runs pretty much parallel with the Rugby League in America podcast, of course, founded by the great Nate Gladden. And now Dustin Zera and the boys doing a great job over there. So you'll find one week Rugby League in America, one week Chasing Kangaroos, and we sort of alternate. And it usually goes like that, and it's a lot of fun. Um, Chasing Kangaroos may be the original and the best, uh, but Rugby League in America is my favourite international rugby league podcast. No shame in saying that. Love listening to Dustin and his guests slash co-hosts. Awesome, awesome stuff. But this week... I want to talk about three topics. There's three topics on my mind, um, and they're sort of like, I probably should have recorded this episode last weekend. It would have made more sense. It would have been off, straight off the news, straight off the press. All of these topics are probably a week old, um, but I've had time to sort of digest it, think about it, and um, I want to talk about it still. So awesome, awesome stuff, but you would have seen over a week ago, uh, topic number one, which is going to talk about the historic Tonga Matema Tonga Tour of England, which has been announced for the end of the year. Great news. Um, Topic number two, I want to talk about um, that mid-season Super League England-France test. I want to talk about, and not the game itself, because fucking 64-0 in the men's and women's, but I want to talk about how to make this matchup more meaningful, how to make this mid-season test more meaningful over there, because I think it's important. I just don't think we're doing it right. And then finally... Uh, probably the title of this episode is going to be Did the World Cup Make Money? I want to dive into that. I want to ask that question and I want to see and let you guys know what I kind of have uncovered and how I understand it. 
Um, it's something I've been thinking about since the World Cup. We haven't seen much, if anything, about it out there. So I've t had a little bit of a dig. And um, yeah, stay tuned till the end for that one. But first of all, um, Mate Ma Tonga v England. It's confirmed for the end of the year. And I'm fucking excited about it. Um, I think it's the right decision by Tonga. So those who listened a couple of weeks ago or those who understand the situation, Tonga were, were, had a choice, you know. They were in deep discussions with RFL about this tour. Um, but there was also whispers of the NRL, ARL, looking at a four nations, Australia, New Zealand, Samoa and Tonga on this side of the world. Uh, Tonga in a bit of a rough position, which way do they go? I think they made the right choice. I think historic first tour by a, uh, you know one of these Pacific Islands, more Pacific Island nations over there. Um, good opportunity for them, great opportunity for their players, uh, opportunities to make some coin for Tongan Rugby League, more so than if they were part of a Four Nations, I believe. Uh, and all the reasons are back in the last episode, so I'm not going to go over that again. Uh, but I think they made the right choice, 100% in my opinion. Uh, so we're going to get a tour at the end of the year. Uh, Tonga going to England. They're going to play in Oct uh, three matches, October 22nd, October 28th and November 4th. Um, exciting stuff. It's going to be great. It's going to be tight. It is the matchup that England need. Um, it's the matchup that Tonga need. Um, and I think it's just a little something different. We've never seen this before. Uh, International Rugby League needs a different flavour. And I think we're going to have a full house everywhere that it goes, which is awesome. It's going to be fantastic. Um, but my initial thing, because we're International Rugby League fans, right? So there's always something we're pissed off at. Even if we start, even though we're starting to get it right with stuff like this, we're still pissed off because we're International Rugby League fans and that's just how we're wired, I guess. Um, the, the thing that pissed me off initially was where these matches are being played. Now, I don't have anything against St. Helens, Leeds and Huddersfield. Um, great places, great great rugby league heartlands. Um, but the three matches are being played at St. Helens, Leeds and Huddersfield. And my initial thought was, have we missed an opportunity here? Um, for me, I don't mind at least two of the three, but let's, why didn't we get, you know, a big city, an expansion area? Why don't we get London? Why aren't we playing St. Helens, Leeds and London, for example? Um, even a Newcastle or Coventry, why are we looking, aren't we looking outside the M62 corridor? Um, and the reason me and others felt that way was because we feel that, you know, when it comes to rugby league, our best chance for exposure on a national scale um, over there in England, in the UK, um, is the national side. You know, if England plays Tonga in London, people will care. That is something people will watch, even if they're not typically rugby league fans. Um, so immediately, my thought is missed opportunity. But then you think about this, right? And I spoke last week about IMG, RFL, Super League, uh, what the future holds and what their plan in the short term seems to be. And you look at how really what IMG, the IMG proposal, it's been all about consolidating and making sure our foundations are strong, we are strong in our heartlands, right? And that's what this is very much what the short term plans for IMG, RFL, Super League seem to be. 
with the view of growing once the foundations are strong. That's what I believe. Um, and I think that is actually smart. You know, we are impatient as international fans, as expansionists, because we've been wanting good things for a long time and we've been teased along the way with little things that sort of could have worked, didn't work, should have worked, were never going to work, <laughs> but were exciting. But now there's this like, you know, start from the start and let's grow. And I actually like that. And when you look at Tonga, this Tongan tour, this historic Tongan tour, when you look at it in sort of on its own, you know, out of the big picture contest, context, sorry, when you look at it as a one-off, you think, okay, we've missed an opportunity. Why didn't we take this game to London? But when you look at it in the context of what this could be, should be, and will be if all goes to plan, then you understand that we have time, we need to build foundations, and we need to grow. So I know that, for example, if the International Rugby League have their way, their plan is for something like this to be happening on that side of the world every year. So we want to have, or we could see, if all goes to plan, a nation like Tonga, visiting England every year outside of a World Cup with the occasional English tour down under. Um, and I understand that at this point, whispers are strong that we will see Samoa, Tonga, uh, Samoa tour England in 2024. And that is the start of that. So if you think about this, right, from an English rugby league perspective, you got Tonga going over at the end of this year you have potentially Samoa going over at the end of next year. You have a World Cup in France in 25. And then I'd say 26, what we'd want is, you know, an English tour down here. Um, and then you go back and you've got these strong Pacific nations touring England every year with World Cups in between and with tours every now and then. And it goes on and on and on. And this is part of, you know, what, some are calling the 10-year plan, the 12-year plan. This is part of the fabric of that, you know, making sure that there is strong competition visiting England regularly. Um, and that's important. And when you look at it in that context, when you look at it big picture down and you think, okay, we're sticking to the M62 for this Tongan tour, but maybe next year when Samoa come to town, there's a game in London and that grows and that grows and that grows and you see how that grows. So start with the foundations, make them strong and then expand. A little slow for my liking. I still would have liked to have seen a game in London here against Tonga, but I can understand that there's a bigger picture to it. And hopefully in a couple of years time, we're sitting back going, yep, we built the foundations. We got it right. That was the right decision. Um, and it's looking good, we're in a strong position. Because the England brand, the national team brand, is what the sport needs to get on the radar of the entire nation over there. You're, you don't, people in the South don't give a fuck about Hull versus, you know, Salford, they don't care. Uh, but if England's playing, they care, they do. We saw that in the World Cup, we see that in other sports. Um, it's what we need and it's what, what the sport needs. And, and, I, and I think this is the start. I hope this is the start. I'm always so optimist, optimistic and positive, right? Um, so let's see how that goes. But all in all, super excited about this. These are games I will be getting up for to watch. October 22, October 28, November 4, Matema Tonga, 
touring England. Um, what does that mean for this side of the world? Because of course, you know, the four nations, well proposed four nations, Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, can't happen because uh, this would be at the same time. Uh, what we will see, um, or what I believe we will see, what it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been confirmed yet, is potentially two tri-nations down here in the Southern Hemisphere. So I think we'll get Australia, New Zealand, Samoa as a tri-series. And I think that's actually quite exciting. You've got, you know, Australia, New Zealand is always a good contest and you've got the, the World Cup grand finalist Samoa, you know, for the rematch with Oz, for the origin level matchup against New Zealand. Um, that is really cool. And I'm excited by the prospect of that. Um, we're also potentially going to see a second tri-nations, which is PNG, Fiji, Cook Islands, um, which is really cool as well. Gives a lot of those a lot of those players an opportunity. Fiji v PNG have had some great matchups over the years in the mid-season mid internationals. Uh, Cook Islands coming to the party as well with Tonga over there in England. So I think, like, I'm not disappointed with that. I just want to see it announced soon. Um, and there's probably some CBA issues once again but if look if Tonga can go to England we can get this sorted I'd want to see this announced soon and I want to see it build up because this can be successful um, Australia New Zealand Samoa predominantly played in New Zealand please um, I think that would be amazing so Tonga v England it's going to be awesome International Rugby League it's coming back we've got games hopefully more more, more over here on this side of the world as well let's see how we go um, which brings me to topic number two um, and this is one, this is an area where we need some help, I think. So England v France, mid-season um, test over there, um, 64 to nil. Absolute shellacking, men's and women's scores were the same. Um, and I've got to admit, um, hugely disappointing for me. Um, the lead-up um, saw a host of top players on both sides pulling out and what this means is, you know, we're at a we're at a point with France where France are like can be semi competitive against you know the best France side, French side, can be competitive against the best English side. We saw that at the World Cup in glimpses when France played England. There was a period of play where France could match it with them, but not for the whole game. And and that is where France needs to improve, and they can if they get solid competition. Um, regularly um, and we need them to improve it's not a long time until the world cup in france and we want france to sort of be okay by that stage but you pull out you know 10 to 15 top french players and you pull out 10 to 15 top english players and the english side is still pretty strong in you know against the french side they would still compete with the top french side with their top players out but you take out that top layer of french players and what we get is you know, a, a huge step down. Um, no offence to the players, but it's just a different level, right? And they're getting better, but it's just a different level. Um, so the depth isn't there for France. And we saw that, you know, we saw that during this mid-season test. 64 to nil. Uh, France, you know, what do they take from that? Um, <laughs> one of the most French things I've seen coach, from their coach, um, Laurent Fresnu, he said, if I knew this was going to be the scoreline, I would have stayed home and had coffee instead. And I think I actually really, <laughs> actually laughed out loud in real life. Um, that was awesome to hear. It was just really funny. But I agree, man. I'm glad I didn't wake up for this one. 
I set the alarm, it went off. I thought, you know what? It's not going to go down well. 64 nil. Um, and it makes you wonder, you know, it makes me question what is the point of this match if we're not going to take it seriously as a sport? You know, the match is important. We need France playing England every year. But if it's going to be like this, why? Why the fuck are we going to do it if no one's going to take it seriously? So start thinking about how we make it meaningful. And this is just one idea. So guys, DM me if you've got ideas. You know, I'll have a whole other episode about this with just your ideas if there's, good, if, you know, if there's enough out there, if there's good ideas. But what I'd like to see to make this more meaningful, I think is a bit of a shake-up in our format, our Euro format. So at the end of the year, we've got our Euro um, our European Championship, which is between six nations, including a an England side that will basically be a, a B side because England's playing Tonga at the same time. So it's going to be an England night side, which I hope they just call England. But anyway, you know, you've got France, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and I think Italy, Italy, I think. Anyway, sorry. I should look that up. I should know that off the top of my head, to be honest. Um, but I think this format needs to change to make the mid-season tests more meaningful as the grand final of the European Championship. That mid-season test should be the, mid the, should be the European Championship grand final, I think, to make it more meaningful. This is just one idea. And what I do is I change that Euro format into a Four Nations. Because you think about what we're doing over there, right, in Europe, or what needs to happen in Europe. You've got England that is far and, far and away better than everyone else. And you've got France, Wales, Ireland and possibly Scotland as four nations underneath who, you know, there are Super League level players for all of those nations. There are pathways for, in particular, Wales and now Ireland have some decent pathways as well. Um, and there is potential. That is the lowest hanging fruit, you know, of nations next door to England who could compete with them and need to grow. And then underneath that, you've got a whole other level again. You've got your Italy's, your Serbia's, your Greece, your Netherlands. Um, you've got nations that next level down looking to get into that, that second tier, I would say, that four nation tier. So what am I saying? Let's change the format of the Euros. So you've got your four nations, which is France, Ireland, Wales, Scotland. This happens at the end of every year. You build this up, you get into some decent grounds, you try and build up crowds, you try and get TV, whatever. But the main purpose of this four nations is the opportunity to play England in the four nations final, which is the mid-season test. So if France beats, if France wins at Four Nations, then the following year they play the mid-season test against England for a chance to be the champions. Then all of a sudden that mid-season test is not a one-off, nothing game, nothing to play for. It is, there's a trophy on the line, there is a title on the line. Who is the best nation in Europe? And I think that potentially makes it more meaningful. You're less likely to see players pull out. You hopefully the nations are taking it more seriously. Hopefully fans take it seriously. There's a, there's an appetite for it. It could be a thing. A level below that four nations, you still have your Euro B. So it's all those nations I was talking about earlier, plus a few others, 
and they're looking to get it. They're looking to crack that four nations for the following year. So you can have promotion or relegation. You'd have, you could have a million pound style game, um, as an undercard to that mid-season test. So say like, say like Serbia won the Euro B, and Scotland lost the Euro Four Nations. Well, when and when England plays whoever won the Four Nations, the following year in the mid-season test, the undercard to that is Serbia v Scotland in a promotion relegation battle. I'm not saying this is the answer. I'm just saying we can be coming up with better ideas to make this mid-season test more meaningful. And I kind of really like what I just suggested. Let me know if you like it too. Reach out, tell me. Um, if you've got a better idea, reach out and tell me as well. Um, but I just think we need to think of ways to improve this mid-season test so that we can improve France, we can improve Ireland, we can improve Wales, we can imp improve Scotland, we can improve all of those European nations. Give them something to fight for. Give them a reason uh, rather than one-off tests that might happen, might not happen, whatever. Give them a reason. Lay the foundation, lay the platform. And it would be nice for that European, that South uh, Southern Hemisphere touring side to play warm-ups against France or Wales and stuff like that as well. So, for example, we, you know, Tonga, come over a week earlier, play Wales, play France. Anyway, um, just an idea. But now the headline topic of this episode, um, probably the title of this episode. Let's be honest; it's very clickbaity. Did the World Cup make money? And like I said, it's a question I've been pondering since the World Cup and we haven't heard really anything. And when we don't hear anything, you think, okay, yeah, they didn't, didn't make any money. It wasn't a success. Otherwise, they'd be telling us, right? Um, and the question sparked again in my mind when the International Rugby League annual report for 2022 was released a week ago, a week or so ago. Um, lots of good news in there, new member nations, good stuff happening, you know, on the grow. Post-COVID, things, things are looking on the up again. Um, but I looked at the financials section. That's probably the section I flicked to first. And it was still pretty bare. And you read it and you go, okay, didn't really make money. We actually lost money as, you know, International Rugby League, which is the European-based company. You've got an Australian-based company. It's all very technical how it all works, but essentially losing money as a body. Um, and then you look deeper and you go, okay, that doesn't include any World Cup. So you understand, you know, the, the International Rugby League makes money as most international sporting bodies make money from their assets, which are usually World Cups, big competitions like that. And we didn't see in the period for which this statement was made, we didn't see World Cups, we didn't see nines, we didn't see anything. So this, state, this report did not include the World Cup, is what I'm saying, in a roundabout way. So I started digging deeper, asking questions, trying to figure out what's, what happened. Did we make money? And I just posed that question to a few people and tried to dig deeper. What I, what I sort of found out, a couple of things. Essentially, we did make a little bit of money from this World Cup as a sport. We could have made more. Now, postponing the World Cup added about 11 million pounds, 10 to 11 million pounds to the budget and the cost of the World Cup being put on. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you go back a year and a half now to when we're trying to figure out will, this, will the World Cup be on as 
as it should have been in 2021, or would it be postponed to 2022? You saw a lot of pushback from the NRL, guys like Phil Gould, Andrew Abdo. Um, the players wanted to go. The RLPA were very vocal about that. The World Cup, the Rugby League World Cup team committee, they, they were confident it could happen, but the NRL stood in the way. And you understand here why we're all fighting so hard to keep this World Cup on in 2021. Um, what we saw in the 12 months following was the war, Russia-Ukraine war. We saw inflation, we saw cost of living rising, and all of these things inflated the budget, the cost of the World Cup in 2022, and it kind of sucks. Um, but from my understanding, a lot of these extra costs were covered by the UK government underwriting the event. And this included a fixed staging fee for the International Rugby League, for the IRL. Now, I don't know what this fixed staging fee was. Um, we'll probably find out in the next financial, the next IRL annual report, the 2023 report in a year. Um, I don't think it was a staggering amount, but I'd be interested to find out down the track what it was and what we're doing with it. Um, so good to know money was made, but but probably an opportunity missed for further profits, I'd say, because it was postponed. Um, and it sucks. It really does. You know, you think about that extra $11 million pounds. I'm not saying they would have made that much profit, but there were opportunities within that. And the NRL um, came between that, I suppose. And, and look, no, look, the NRL has to look out for the NRL, right? So I can't begrudge them of that, but it's just a shame that we missed this opportunity, I think. Um, important to say, I did some digging. This is me putting two and two together and coming up with hopefully four, but possibly five, right? So these are not direct quotes from anyone. This is me doing some research. And to my understanding, this is the best I could get. So it's a question I've been asking for a while. Did the World Cup make money? Um, the answer, possibly a little bit, but not that much. Um, stay tuned for more. If we do find out, you'll hear it here. Guys, um, thanks for being with me again. International Rugby League. I feel like things are starting to move in the right direction. Um, I've been very positive for four years, haven't I? A uh, big matchup in Greece, uh, May 13. Um, for anyone following along at home, Greece versus Serbia. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this because it's kind of like we saw Greece, obviously saw Greece at their first World Cup um, a couple of months, a few months ago now, late last year. Um, but this is really like the best domestic Greeks versus the best domestic Serbia. Um, I think Serbia are probably slight favourites in this one, but it should be a good matchup. It's in Greece, which is really cool. Stadium. Uh, can't pronounce the name of the stadium, so I'm not going to try and disrespect it there. Uh, but that fits 10, 11,000 people. Um, good ground. Um, and just the fact that this is happening in Greece and we don't have to hide the fact that it's happening in Greece. Uh, Long-time listeners will understand what I mean by that, but it's really exciting. Uh, hopefully we can find a stream somewhere. Hopefully we can watch it, but I'm sure we'll get all the info from the Greek Rugby League, Serbian Rugby League. So, guys, follow along with that one. Make sure you're following those two nations on the socials. So you get the news as it happens. Uh, but yeah, that, that, is a, that is a mid-season test that I'm looking forward to very much. 
So guys, thanks for playing along. Thanks for listening. Um, I want to try and record uh, some more solo episodes. Like, you know, we're just talking about European Rugby League today. I want to do like maybe a Pacific version, what we can do in the Pacific, similar to my European idea. Uh, but there'll be some also some interview and some co-hosted episodes coming up soon as well. I do want to record one very soon about uh, ex- NRL expansion um, with Dave Hunter from from the Hypothetic Rugby League podcast. And it, it is a hot topic down here, right? Um, you know, we're talking about who the 18th club will be. There's been all sorts of things thrown around um, and it's something I love talking about. So I'm going to get Dave on to have a chat with me as well. We're hearing a lot of things down under, speaking of the NRL, about uh, Las Vegas. Um, I'll, I'll, Dustin spoke about that a little bit. It was really, really good in his solo episode last week of Rugby League in America. I'm sure we'll hear more about that from the Rugby League in America boys. But as always, really exciting. Lots going on. I've been Michael Carboni. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me.